This is Herschel Gordon Lewis. If you know who I am, God help you. If you don't know who I am, God help you. But what you're watching here or listening to is without your head. And I can tell you that I have contributed to the loss of your head. So thank you for being there. station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by james saito co-writer of herschel gordon lewis's blood mania it's good to have you back on the show it's nice to be back it's been a couple of years and luther barry's artist and he's maker of the official herschel gordon lewis action figure which is pretty awesome thanks yeah some people would call it a doll but as a collector of action figures i I would say action yeah, that's the correct, the correct term. Yeah, actually <laughs> Right, yeah. So, um, well, everyone know this Sunday is part of the, our inaugural Bloody Stumps Film Festival, feature film festival, 15 films, four days over Labor Day weekend. It's going to be part of a Bloody Sunday lineup. And you can see Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania, free with a bunch of other crazy horror fans, maybe not so crazy horror fans, and the filmmakers alike. It'll be a good time. Yeah, I think it will be. I'm I'm uh, going to be in the chat room for the whole time, and I think there's going to be some actors and actresses from uh, the film itself, so fans can interact, um, ask questions, you know, make their comments, whatever. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So, uh, first of all, how did um how did the movie come about? Did you know Herschel Gordon Lewis? Did did there was a movie in works before you before he was involved? Well, um. What ended up happening was I was a guest booker at a horror convention 
And one day I got a text that said, uh, you know, would you be interested in having Herschel come to your convention? And I had been a fan of Herschel's film since, oh, I think 1970 when I, I saw Wizard of Gore at the drive-in theater. And uh, so when I got the text, my hands started to shake. I'm just like, whoa, Herschel Gordon Lewis. So I said, yeah, hell, yeah, we'll have him. You know, so um, I spoke to Herschel on the phone, and that's kind of where it began. And when he came to Calgary, um, we got to talking. And we had talked. Well, it, it began, we began talking every day after I initially contacted him. And uh, so when he got to Calgary, he said, you know, we should make a film together. And I said, well, I've, I've never done that. And he said, well, you've been in, you know, sales and marketing all your life. You could probably do it. So I said, okay, if that's the case, I'll do it. And so I went on to produce uh, the film. And uh, during the course of, from the point of the first phone conversation until, um, uh, Mrs. Lewis's wife called me to tell me he'd passed. We talked every couple of days on the phone. He was like a sort of a mentor to me. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel richer for having had him in my life. Um, yeah, I was, um, people don't know. We started the show in 2006 without your head. And he was one of the first guests on the show the first year. It might've been the second year, 2007. But it, you know, it was before it was like established or anything, and he was all very supportive and just a really nice guy. If you ever met him or talked to him, mm-hmm. oh, wonderful and, man, wonderful man, and a great voice, certainly. And uh, even well, as non horror movies, I would watch because I would like to listen to the commentary track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can relate to that. Um, and then I think Herschel and I appeared on the podcast. Yeah, it was um, it was right. It was before you made Blood Mania, I think, or you're just going into production. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So that's been a little while, but uh, yeah. But I continue on with the Blood Mania path. Mm-hmm. I've spent all day today um, just <laughs> talking to various people, like Luther and um, Vince Atkins, who's going to be drawing the Herschel Gordon Lewis anthology comic book. Nice. Yeah, so it's just been one of those days. Yeah. So while uh, Luther, um, I know you make the action figure, which is amazing, and actually all the figures on the website are amazing. Um, are you involved in the movie? If not, it's fine. We're not going to kick you off. No, actually, no, I'm not involved in the movie. Um, I'm just, just the artist. <laughs> I don't think just the artist works. So, you know, you're the artist. That's good. It's not just the artist. That makes it seem like it's not important. <laughs> No, um, did you did you ever get a chance to meet uh, uh, Herschel yourself? No, I did not. Um, I was able to do a ton of research though when we when when Jim approached me about this. Um, it was uh, it was really cool to because I'd heard the name, of course. You know, if you're in the horror, there's no way you can be in the horror and, and have not heard of Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, but getting a chance just to dive into how his career path was was pretty neat to me. You know where he came from and how he got into the field. It was it was kind of uh, similar to not in the sense of filmmaking, but, you know, I was a designer um, prior to to starting the horror business here. Uh, In fact, I used to make NCAA merchandise for a company uh, not far from where I live. 
And uh, the horror stuff kind of happened. I wouldn't say by accident because I've been a horror fan my whole life, but not understanding the community of the horror fans, um, it really opened my eyes because when when I got into starting to make, you know, I'd made a few pieces and and we started a little Etsy shop and put them out there and it exploded. Um, that was in 2018 or actually it was December of 2017. Uh, we opened in April of 2017. Back then I was doing a lot of just commission design work for people all over the country, different types of projects. Um, the horror thing was something I wanted to do because I was a fan. When that took off, by mid-2018, everything we were doing was exclusive horror. Um, and that fan base has supported our business since mid-2018. We've thrived every year. Uh, we just got back from Pennsylvania from a convention. Nice. And uh, it's pretty neat because you know you have fans that, that show up to your booth that have purchased from you and you've never really met. Sorry, bro. <laughs> I dropped my mic. Go on. That's all right. Um, that you never met in person, and then you meet these people in person and it's almost like having a second family. It actually it, it is. Like it was the first time that's family. ever happened. Happened twice. I'm sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> kids, no for people, uh, what's a website people can go to? You know, you currently said you used to be on Etsy. Yeah, well, the, we we went to our own e-commerce platform uh, in February last year. It's www.lb3ddesign.com. Um, we we have a brand called Evil Entities that we we launched last April, which is the retro figure line. It's also where the, the you can find the Herschel Gordon Lewis figure. Um, and we're actually, we're, we're, we continuously expand. We try to release two or three new characters every month or two. Um, I think we've done some 70 unique characters since April of last year and had over 800 figures sold since last year. Oh, nice. Which is, which is really nice. Yeah. Now, for people that are the Herschel is limited to 100. Go on, sorry. No, I was just saying the fan base has been very, very supportive of us. Because, uh, I mean, without that, you don't have anything, you know. <laughs> the the fans are everything to us. Yeah. By the way, is that an Atomic Cotton shirt? Yes, it is. <laughs> we, I got this from uh, Scares That Care. Oh, uh, we did, we yeah. vented that show last month and uh, saw them there. And I saw this from across the room, so I had to pick it up. I was yeah, like, I gotta get that. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Erica and Zach Kaufman, who uh, who run Atomic Cotton, very good people. Yeah, really good people. Yeah, I haven't seen them for a while because I haven't been to conventions for a little bit. But hopefully, <laughs> uh, we'll get back on the road here. So, um, people don't know, Blood Mania is an anthology. Um, was that always the plan? And how how did you go about picking? You know, who's going to write and direct the uh, the different stories? Well, what ended up happening was um, initially we were going to film a one of Herschel's scripts called the uh, stainless steel butcher. And it was also known as uh, another title. Um, it, it required a lot of updating because it was written quite some time ago. So, I mean, there was references to things that people today, a lot of them would never understand. So, Herschel began to update that, and we had some potential investors come on board. And uh, I won't go into the entire story, but they got kind of um, frightened away. So it was back to the drawing board. And one evening, I had gone to see um, a film that Slash from Guns N' Roses had produced. Um, 
it was a one night screening only. And uh, before it played, there was a little short horror film. And it's always been my contention that it wasn't really all that good. Um, so I gave it some thought, you know, like, what if we did an anthology? Because I grew up with am- Amicus anthologies. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, a lot of where my love for horror actually came from. So then I thought, okay, anthology, you know, that might work. And that evening as I'm laying there, an idea for what turned out to be Attack of Conscience, the second segment in the film, just kind of popped into my head. I sat up, got my laptop, and wrote 16 pages, just like that. And uh, phoned Herschel in the morning and said, hey, anthology, would you be interested? You'd act as the host mm-hmm. as well as direct. And, you know, we'll put uh, Gory's story in there because he'd shown me the short script. And so he said, okay. And from there, it was just a matter of, um, well, you know, as any independent filmmaker, you know, put together the financing, which I was able to do. And uh, that's really how that came to be. Um, was it our first choice? No, but as it turns out, it was good. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up a big fan of uh, anthologies too. I have a creep show up here. It's the first mm-hmm. uh, VHS tape my mom bought me. And I love the old, uh, uh, the EC comics and the, you know, movies based off those vaults of uh, terror and tales from the crypt and all those kind of yeah, movies. We met, I met John Amplis this past weekend. Super, oh, nice. super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just a phenomenal human being. Yeah. Um, he, they, they actually had him in costume for some photo ops as Nathan from Creepshow, which was really cool. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, but he's a really, really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. People that I don't know, he's the, the, uh, in the, in the first uh, story in the uh, Creepshow. Mm-hmm. And yeah, also the famous, <laughs> uh, the, the vampire movie by Romero, too. Um, so I, a vampire movie. Go on, sorry. No, no, I, I was, so one that I was thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind branching out, um, you know, maybe some action figures and stuff. So I Googled action figures and um, there was really nothing that was catching my fancy. But then somebody posted on Facebook about, look what I just got. And it was a action figure of Daryl Revick from Scanners, which is one of my favorite Canadian yeah. horror films. And I looked at it and went, wow. So then I did a, a little bit of tracing back and found that uh, it was Luther. So I sent Luther a message and uh, it just kind of went from there. So that was, you know, very fortunate. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of synchronicity from Facebook. So Yeah. Well, what goes into our research from actually making, a, you know, a caricature, an action figure? Oh, for me, you know, it it actually starts with the film, of course. Um, I grew up, you know, in the Mego era with with superheroes and clothed superheroes and things like that. So those those guys were always um, kind of have a a soft spot for that that type of figure. We didn't want to our goal wasn't really to replicate Mego more than to give a fan that enjoyed that style of figure something that was high end. Um, one of the things, if you've ever if you ever seen most Mego figures, their their clothing are really good, the packaging is really good, but the heads are usually not all that great. And so we focus our attention on the tiny details in those sculpts, and then in the paintwork. 
Um, so everything gets hand painted. We do custom clothing. Um, we have our own custom packaging. Uh, we use a local company to do our art cards. We actually do the art designs here in the shop. Um, but really, it was really because we wanted to do something for fans that they could really enjoy collecting. And we, we do very limited numbers. So our normal Evil Entities characters, when we do a launch, they're limited to 30 numbered art cards. Once we sell those 30, they're sold out. We don't make them again. Uh, we, we also will go back to a film. So I think the first two we started with were Mr. Barlow and uh, Reverend Kane from Poltergeist 2. Because really, Reverend Kane, there, there hadn't really been anything out there. Yeah. And uh, he was the creepiest guy. man yeah. I'd ever seen in my life uh -huh. that wasn't a monster. You know, uh, him and Tall Man, I guess, are probably the two most iconic non-creature scary people outside of maybe Annie from Misery. <laughs> But yeah. uh, and her by herself, she she looks uh, you know, normal. Yeah, yeah. So it started with those two. We we did it almost to see how the fans would react, and they took off. And so we went into just anything. My we try to stick to more of the obscure characters. So characters when I grew up that don't get really any love in the collectibles marketplace. So guys like Daryl Revot from Scanners, um, Cropsey from The Burning. You know, these these late 70s, 80s, and even some from the early 90s. We did a, uh, a Dr. Giggles uh, figure. Um, and before it really got off the ground with the, the fan base, uh, I had a production company in New York uh, reach out. It was uh, People Magazine Investigates. So they did an episode called The Hollywood Ripper back in April. And apparently the, the serial killer that they were doing the story on was a big Dr. Giggles fan. So he had all this memorabilia <laughs> when they raided his apartment and they didn't, they couldn't find anything Dr. Giggles related until they found me online and they ended up buying all of my figures and all of my clamshells for them. And when you watch the episode, the, the cop walks in and all you see are all these evil entities, <laughs> Dr. Giggles figures all over the place. It was really surreal to see that, but, um, but, but it, it kind of solidifies what we do. You know, we did a, we did a custom figure for this past show. Jonathan Breck, who played the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers, was at Creature Feature Weekend. And so we did a very limited number um, of custom Creeper figures. And he lost his mind. You know, he, he went nuts over it, which was really cool. You know, um, in fact, we're, we're probably going to do some stuff for him direct now. Oh, no. But uh, but they're really cool. I mean, most of the time when people come to our booth, if they've, if they've never seen them, the reactions we get are, are really what we want because they'll go, wow, look at this. This is, you know, the Gemini killer from Exorcist 3. Like, no one's going to do that in mainstream, you know, for any kind of mass production. So, we, uh, we, and I enjoy that part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy it all. But yeah, I saw that one on your website and I saw Dr. Giggles was actually sold out, which made me happy yeah. because I think that's one of the most underrated <laughs> slashers. So uh, did you know the other um, the other directors and, and writers before, James? Uh, well, Herschel, we knew, was going to direct a couple. So I, I went out searching for a couple of uh, Canadian directors. And uh, I interviewed some people, and Kevin Littlelight and Melanie Reinbold fit the bill. Um, I had gotten a script uh, for the final segment, gorgeous, which was significantly different than the one that ended up being filmed. It was written by a, a very good screenwriter, Bob Schultz, but there was something that was just kind of missing in it. 
And it was different in that it took place in the fashion world and it wasn't quite as violent as I wanted. And um, I thought if it's going to be an homage to 80s slashers, then it's got to be more over the top. So when I met with Melanie and Kevin, Kevin says, oh, I could rewrite it. I said, okay, well, you know, I'll see what you can do. And not even, um, I think three days later, he came back with the the script for the gorgeous that was filmed. And I, I, I fell in love with it completely. It was, it was exactly what I was looking for. So Kevin came on to direct, Melanie came on to direct. And uh, I wanted, I did want to have a female director involved. And everything kind of just fell into place. You know, gorgeous episode has music. There's a lot of good music in the movie. In that episode, the opening track in the movie, uh, who who did the music? Uh, the music was performed by uh, our special effects makeup. Oh, really? Artist Dave Trainer, um, who's probably well, <laughs> I consider him the best in Canada. He's been uh, nominated three years in a row for his uh, by the Hollywood Makeup Guild for his work on Fargo. And uh, so he's, he's very good at what he does. I mean, he's been involved in a lot of different films. Um, but he also is a guitar player and has a band. And uh, they're called Lemon Gin. Uh, gin like in Genie, D-J-I-N. Oh, okay. Um, and they recorded, uh, the songs that the band sings, uh, I want to cut you up and the other one. Oh, the opening, uh, this is gorgeous song. Mm -hmm. They did that for the, uh, the segment. And at the very end of the film, when you hear the rock and roll reprise of, of Herschel's song at the beginning, that's done by a, a pretty, well, they're, I don't know, they're famous. They're a famous horror band out of Calgary here called Forbidden Dimension. Okay. And if you go and look them up, um, they got some, they've, they've been recording for over 20 years together and it's all horror rock. And it's, just, they're good. They're really, really good. And uh, so that, that's where we got the music from. And then Herschel's opening theme, he wrote a song and he just had the lyrics. So we got together with a group of musicians to record it. And uh, it was amazing to just watch them compose this song. Because Herschel was a very talented musician, great piano player. He used to actually perform at a, at a, a local club in uh, Pompano Beach, Florida. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, he said, no home is civilized unless it has a piano in it. And uh, just to watch him sit down and start picking out a melody on the, on the piano and then the band picking up on it. That song was recorded in about, oh, I would say an hour and a half from beginning to end. And there's even that little rap part in mm -hmm. the middle. And I got to be on that. So. And I, I, I saw my friend, uh, <laughs> Timothy Fife is also accredited as a composer. Yes. Timothy, uh, did the complete score. 
Very cool. Did, did a wonderful job. Yeah. Yeah, I know him up in uh, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. And I'm glad to see he's getting a lot more work in the genre right now. That's really gratifying to me. Yeah. Yeah, he's done really well. Sorry. There was a- yeah, he was tickled pink when uh, we released the soundtrack through uh, Modern Harmonics uh, Sundays Music. So you mentioned already that the uh, the, the makeup uh, person did the music, but uh, the effects in it are really fun, uh, all the, the gore effects. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, a lot of stuff's over the top, which appeals to me. I personally like a lot of the bodies that – like head explosions and people falling off buildings. It's mm-hmm. a, well, the, uh, the head explosion was an homage to scanners. We actually shotgunned that head. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What was that? What's that like uh, on set when you're, when you're blowing up a head? Well, we had Dave trainer there and a couple other special effects guys. And they're going, Oh, this is like, this is so old school fucking Savini. <laughs> Right for mania, yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> I actually had my my iPhone set up. It was on a kind of a trailer stage with this head that was made, and, and uh, there was already a cast of the actor's head that one of the guys had. So of course we cast him, and uh, it was a matter of uh, filling it with cauliflower, <laughs> bone, blood bags, and. Uh, yeah, it was just shot from behind with a shotgun, and and it's really something to see. Uh, and uh, I, it for some reason didn't make the collector's edition Blu-ray. I, I can't really? figure that one out. Huh? But Maybe the face, the, the head goes, and the face just kind of falls. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Um, so the homage that that was for scanners, and in the one segment where the head gets pulled off and the stump is laying there, I thought that doesn't look very realistic. And uh, I was going to get CGI to come in and, and, you know, just add, make it look more realistic. But then it, right, it was rightfully pointed out to me, this is a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. All right. So, you know, let's just leave it the way it is. Yeah. The decapitations in Wizard of Gore are not very realistic. Looking. I love the movie, but, you know, they're not necessarily very realistic. Yeah, well, we've come a long way when that yeah. head was pulled off. I mean, if you, I've got a picture of the actress holding her own head, and it's remarkable how the work that Dave Trainer did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the head split with the katana, um, that was actually like a puppet that he was controlling, that the head would just open. And we made sure we put this gel in there so that it was very, uh, very Rob uh, Bowden with the effect. Yeah. Um, does it look completely realistic? Mm, no, but again, it's a it's Herschel fun. Gordon Lewis movie. Yeah. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And um, was there uh, any any of those scenes that you're you're filming? Is there anybody around who uh, who wonders what's going on? Do they hear the shotgun or anything? No, that was done on a farm. Okay. Um. <laughs> The, the scenes of the body falling and hitting were done at a hotel here. It looks a lot higher than it was. Um, it was actually myself and a guy named Chris Peterson, who was our caterer, who were up on top of this roof with this dummy 
<laughs> and we had, uh, Dave was loading up. I brought a, you know, a real cow's liver and was chopping it up and we're putting all that stuff in and we just threw it off and it happened to land exactly where we needed it to. There was three cameras set up and uh, it landed precisely where I wanted it to. So I, I felt very fortunate. The uh, film gods were smiling. Yeah. I'll uh, Luther. Um, do you have any, uh, what are in the plans for like a uh, future, uh, um releases well um you know we did the Herschel gordon lewis um we the idea is you know we do not just figures but we also do custom busts um we do small statuette figures i know you mentioned anthologies I actually pulled this out for you because see if you can recognize this guy oh man what's that from um cat's eye yeah <laughs> that's awesome i love it yeah <laughs> yeah so the plan is um one of one of the uh one of the stories includes a, a character called the night hag. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that is when we're probably going to do a mini bust of and try to have it ready for a, a pre Christmas release. Um, so that'll be the next on the list and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, there's a couple other characters that we, that, that Jim and I have talked about that I think could do well. I think the big thing is just getting this thing off the ground to, to get right. the fans to know that they're there and, and that more is mm-hmm. coming. Um, that's always the biggest challenge when you do stuff like this is um, finding that, that group of the diehard uh, Herschel fans that uh, that'll help support the line. Yeah. Oh, you know, along those lines, you know, um, can you talk about getting the movie out there? Because, you know, you made it a couple of years ago and then COVID happens and, you know, what's it like to, you know, actually get, you know, an independent film out there for people to find. <laughs> well, um, I went with a distributor and uh, they got it out on, on streaming services and as any independent filmmaker will tell you or any filmmaker you know unless you're you know it's, it's a, a major Hollywood release there's really no money in streaming I mean, it used to be you'd get twelve cents an hour on Amazon Prime. Yeah, um, I think it's down to four. Like a penny. I think yeah. it's about a penny at the moment. Well, it's down. I think it's four cents now for an hour. So I make eight cents every time somebody watches Blood Mania twice. <laughs> now, take away what the distributor gets off of that. I get my portion, which I have to pay tax on. And uh, so streaming really is, isn't a real advantage. However, the, the uh, dark side releasing, well, see, what I did was I made sure that when I negotiated with the distributor, I kept the rights to Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So I went and had dark side releasing out of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, very good um, distributor of, of horror and cult films. Um, release a collector's edition Blu-ray dual disc and that is sold out now so it's it's, uh, there's a new edition coming out just in time for Christmas and uh, it won't be a dual disc though but there'll be other things that for the fan 
to, uh, you know, really sink their teeth into. Um, there's been some talk that, you know, use the footage that I have for, you know, the making of Blood Mania. Release it on Blu-ray, maybe salad as a combo. I don't know. You know, again, where would it stream? You know, it's kind of niche. Um, yeah, there's, there's <laughs> promotionally speaking, there's all kinds of things that a person can do with their release. And I don't think that a lot of times independent filmmakers take advantage fully of, of what's available to them. Um, but as that goes, you know, I do know a lot of independent filmmakers and, uh, and celebrities, and I try to push them Luther's way because uh, Luther's always looking for, you know, to officially license products. And, uh, you know, and I, it, it costs me nothing. And one of these days, I'm hoping we've discussed it, Luther and I, that, you know, ship me some product. And I, when Canadian orders come in, I'll ship it from here, which would save shipping costs like crazy. So these are all little things in the works. On the chat room, uh, Marsha Miller says, uh, thank you for the advice on streaming distribution and making my first film of my own. And it's good to hear as much advice as I can. Well, that's good. Um, all I would say is have a plan. If you're going to negotiate uh, any kind of distribution, keep the hard media for yourself. Because the distributors will go two to five years owning your product. Now, if it just isn't moving, and a lot of times it can't, it's like horror books on Amazon. A guy goes and writes a horror novel, publishes, self-publishes on Amazon. Great. But how do people find you amongst the glut mm -hmm. of horror novels that are self-published on Amazon? So, um well, I think that's what happens um, when it becomes, I'm not saying it's easy to do any of these things, but it's more um, accessible for people to make a movie or get a book out there, but it also is harder for it to get noticed because there are so many out there. Yeah. yeah I think uh, go ahead, Luther. One of the, one of the things that I, that I found just in my business, um, you know, like I said, when I first started, I had an Etsy shop. I used to buy ads all the time. Um, and Really, I was doing myself a disservice by relying on the ad service to do the work that I needed to be doing, which is where, where I generate the majority of our revenue stream is through Facebook, Facebook groups. You know, you find the, the fan base that's looking for your product. And what I would tell someone that's writing a book, um, I did some before I got into the horror part. I used to do some illustration work. And I did some illustration work for a couple of different uh, authors, one in New Orleans and one in Baltimore, Maryland, um, for their graphic novels. And they had one actually had a publishing company that, that published his book. The other one was trying to find a publishing company and he ended up self-publishing. And the way he's gotten his book out there is literally going to conventions. He goes to every single convention he can get to. And every time he goes, he sells out of his books, he sells out of his merchandise and to me, with, in today's technology, you don't need uh, – I haven't spent an ad dollar with any company since February of last year. Um, the fans do that for you. When you have a good product or, or a good novel or a good film, once you get that out there, that's the first part. Like, it's the first 
when we started our figure line, once the fans got them in their hands and then they start talking to people who are in the industry that, that are collectors, um, that'll spread like wildfire. It's just a matter of finding that marketplace first. Once you find the market for it and you kind of let everybody, not that they're doing the work for you because you have to find it. Like you have to get that stuff out there, but you're right. If you, if no one knows, Jim's exactly right. If no one knows that the film exists, it doesn't matter what platform you've got it on. Um, it's not going to get seen. Mm-hmm. The, um, so, uh, James, like, um, you know, your background wasn't in filmmaking. What did you do to prepare to, to make a film? Well, <clears throat> first of all, I was a, I've been a horror fan and I'm going to age myself here for 50, <laughs> 50 years. Um, I have worked uh, in film promotion. I began that in 1983 with Paramount Canada. Um, promoting their Star Trek franchise. I've always been in sales. I've always done marketing. Um, and, and those are really the, well, that's the criteria. If you want to be a producer, you have to be able to raise funds. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're going to get your movie made, raise funds. Now, having said that, was it Martha who asked that question? Uh, no, I just asked it. But no, no, no. The uh, on the oh yeah, she, yeah, uh, yeah, Marsha. Yep. Yeah, Mar- Marsha. Okay, Marsha. One of the things I'm going to recommend um, is ten percent of whatever your budget is, put it aside for a little bit of advertising. Now, I don't mean like. What I mean is horror magazines that people still read, um, like Scream out of England. Um, it's not that expensive. But what Luther says is true. Find your audience on social media as well and promote it. You've got to promote it as hard as you would a crowdfunding campaign. Inundate people with it. Uh, when reviews come in, post them. Post them by all means. Just keep that name out there with the public. But do keep a little aside for hard media in terms of magazines, that sort of thing. doesn't have to be a great amount of money, but, you know, just enough. I would think uh, someone who, because magazines obviously aren't, you know, as big as they used to be. So the idea that if someone is buying the magazine, they would have to be, you know, a really – uh, a big horror fan. So if they're buying a magazine, they probably would be more likely to, to buy a movie. Yeah, definitely. And horror fans are the best. Spend money on Well, yeah. I mean, they're, that, they're horror fans, you know, like that's how I was able to say negotiate, you know, like you can have the streaming rights. I'll keep the hard media because a lot of distributors don't see the value in hard media. However, the horror genre these are guys who, you know, guys, gals who want to own the hard media. They want to take them, you know, their Blu-ray to conventions to get signed. They love these special features. They love the commentaries. They love all of that stuff. And so hard media is still, as of 2021, important. 
Yeah. Oh, there's still a huge market for VHS. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's collectors out there right now that'll spend two three hundred dollars on a VHS just because it's one they didn't have and it's part of the library and um you know that's exactly right. Almost anything in when it comes to horror becomes some sort of collectible in, in the marketplace. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, things as simple as a as an art card on the back of a <laughs> you know in the inside the the, the filler of a DVD. Those things become, you know, like hard sought after pieces that people are trying to find. And every collector has got what they call their grail pieces, their selections that, you know, when they find it, that's that's like their piece. It's right. anytime you see a listing where it's like, hey, show your grail pieces on a, on, a, on a platform or something. It varies from every different category of the horror genre that there could possibly be. It's pretty neat to see. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I'm going to shamelessly plug something here. Uh, Blood Mania will be released on VHS very right. soon uh, by Culture Shock Distributing. So nice. keep an eye out for that. That's very fun. Even, you know, for people who buy them and just, uh, just to display them, it's fun. You <laughs> display the VHS tape, even if you don't have a working VCR. Oh, man. If you, you know, if you look on Facebook and some of the horror groups and these guys are posting pictures of their collections and stuff and you go, my God, like I, you know, I have a small collection, but nothing like these guys, uh-huh. the disposable income, my God. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, it, well, they might not have movies to fund. Well, yeah, that's, that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luther, do you have what you would call your Holy Grail item? I do not. Um, a lot of people ask me this question um, because I, you know, I build horror stuff for a living. Is uh, what do you, what is in your collection? I have a very small amount of anything that I that I really keep. A lot of the stuff that I used to have, especially you know, if I was doing pieces that I enjoyed, I would keep you know what I called the prototypes, mm-hmm. but these things got so popular that people were asking me to buy the prototypes and I'm not, you know, I'm in this business for the fans to, to be able to collect. So I literally, I have a signed uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince figure that I did for a custom for scares that care. And one from Jonathan Breck on uh, Jeepers Creepers. I have a few things from Linda Blair and Eileen Beach from the exorcist. The exorcist was my all time favorite horror film. It was kind of the thing that, terrorized me when I was about six years old and it, it kind of got me into liking horror in a sense, in a bad way, I guess, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> not sleeping for two weeks and then going, okay, I got to figure out how they did that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I really don't have a, uh, a, a grail piece um, for myself. Now I've got some, some clients and some friends that are, that are in Jersey and one down in Texas that uh, their stuff is like museum stuff. I mean, it, um, I have one client in Texas that that orders uh, custom uh, 16 to 18 inch statues that we do for her. Oh, nice. And uh, every one that we do is a one off, one of a kind custom. So everything in her collection from us, we've only done once. So uh, that that's really neat. Um, I've had another that uh, there's a video floating around on Instagram. Um, one of my clients had me do a, a Sid uh, Prescott from Screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, one-to-one scale, fully, you know, real clothes, hair. And uh, she was at a convention with, with uh, um, Skeet Ulrich and uh, Matthew Lillard. 
and Skeet is holding this bust on his shoulder with his back turned. So it looks like Sid's like, I'm looking out. Uh It's just hilarious. Like they're cutting up over it. That kind of stuff makes my day. Like to me, the, the, um, the reaction is far exceeds the money for any of this for me. Um, because it kind of validates what you do. You know, when, when you have fans that are happy with what they, what they purchase and then they tell people and then they post it, you know, for me, that that's worth its weight in gold. Um, way more so than the money well, um, you can't you can't buy that kind of advertising no you can't and and it, it gets it gets to the point where you you thrive to try and do better with each product that you release because you don't want to lose that the one thing i never want to do is is rest on my laurels when it comes to how we do certain things i want to continue to grow um the evil entities brand that we've built. The one thing that I will not do is, is, and I've told many people, this is I don't want to do mass production with that brand. You know, I I won't say I'll never do mass production period, but it's going to have to be a different way we brand it because the evil entities brand for us is our high end custom brand. So we want to keep that that way uh, for as long as I'm in business. Now, um, Marcia says she appreciates uh, taking time to give advice. And uh, Babette Bombshell says uh, she really misses Herschel Gordon-Lewis. Oh, that would be Babette Bombshell. Yes. Hi, Babette. I'm a big fan of Babette, longtime uh, friend of Babette's. Yep. No. Um, well, yeah, I think anybody who, um, who knew Herschel recognizes the, um, the, the gap that's left when he passed. Um, you know, he was, did he get uh, to see the finished movie? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He never got to see. Um, I mean, I, I, I was constantly sending him, um, you know, cuts as we did them, individual episodes as well as um, the entirety. So, yeah, he did. It took a little while, then it, it, it took longer than I would have liked. Um, and I won't get into the, I won't get into it, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to mention was um, I have been speaking with a major streaming network and I, I, there's a non-disclosure agreement that I can't name who it is, but they want a script for me that is extremely dark um, because they want to be the preeminent horror streaming service in the world. Now, the astute reader or list, reader listener probably knows who I'm referring to. Um, so I plan to submit that script along with the script for Blood Mania 2, which has been done now for a couple of years. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's um, it was up until recently called Blood Mania Carnage. But Venom kind of took care of that. So <laughs> right, right. It's under the title now Blood Mania Slaughterhouse, which was actually the original title of the first Blood Mania. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind I of excited about this. Part two will also be an anthology film. Yes, and uh, different writers this time. Well, I, I wrote one. Uh, Dave Trainer, the effects guy, wrote one. 
And, uh, yeah, so it's, um, it's been ready to go for a while. And I think the, actually the scripts are actually better than the first one. And yeah, I, I, my picture seems to be breaking up, but, uh, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. There's lots of good things on the horizon and, uh, you know, it's very, very good. Yeah, that's very exciting. I look forward to uh, to more, uh, you know, to see where that progresses. Well, I've got 20 introductions by Herschel Gordon-Lewis that oh, have really? never been seen. Never been seen anywhere. That's very exciting. That's very cool. Looking forward to that. A uh, big fan of Herschel and, uh, and Blood Mania, so uh, that would be very cool to see more of them. And you can see it this Sunday, Blood Mania. Um, by the way, where else can people see uh, Blood Mania? Amazon oh, Prime. Uh, it's streaming on Amazon Prime internationally as well. Um, Vimeo On Demand. You can, uh, well, you can buy the Blu-ray on Amazon or DVD. Uh, if you go to darksidereleasing.com, um, just before Christmas, there'll be a new um, sort of deluxe Blu-ray available. Well, that's very cool. That's exciting. yeah, and and that particular one contains one scene that um, I left out of the original because um, <laughs> Mrs. Lewis hated it. <laughs> Just absolutely hated it. Was it too graphic or what, what was her reasoning? <laughs> well, you know, well, it's almost like pornography. It's this and that. And, oh, wow. Wow. You know? And so later on, I mean, I just kind of said, fuck it. You know? <laughs> like, well, I'm going to put the fucking thing in, you know? So no repercussions yet. So I think you can also see Blood Mania on uh, Tubi. Um, it, um, and actually, strangely enough, Tubi actually pays better than some streaming services. Yeah, that's what all my uh, independent filmmaker friends, uh, say, and they all yeah. recommend Tubi. Yep. It freaks me out. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so those are the places you can get it. Um, Amazon, Walmart.ca, uh, you name it. Um, you can, you can find the, the Blu-ray. And the DVD. So, and the funny thing was, this the the Blu-ray was supposed to be released all over Europe and Asia. Had the release date set. It was going to go into retail markets, and COVID hit. And so there were no retail outlets for it to be sold in because of the lockdowns. Yeah, and still. <laughs> lockdowns mm -hmm. so yeah that was kind of a uh kind of a kick in the ass like to my be, yeah as i say unfortunately looks like things might be going backwards going yes forward. yes uh yeah very much so um you know i i really don't think that either america or canada has felt the full impact of a fourth wave so so that's why I'm on deworming pills. No. I was just going to tell everyone, don't do any horse dewormers. 
which uh, I, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but I'm always no, I saw I saw your day. post earlier. Yeah. There's two types of deworming. There's the kind for animals and there's the kind for humans. Mm-hmm. They both contain the same underlying element. If you go for horse, um, you see, they have had some success using it on patients that there's no other solution. They're dying. So they've used it, and some people have recovered. However, they don't know what the long-term effects are. They figure it's going to cause kidney, liver, all kinds of damage. Yeah, and, there's uh, already, and people who just go and buy it and don't know how much to take, and they, they're having uh, ripping apart their intestines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, eh, to each their own. I, um, I can't believe it sometimes. That thing you posted about, you know, well, here's a diet you can be on so you don't shit your pants in public. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the, I just out of curiosity, <laughs> I started reading the pages that were dedicated to it, and they were just all giving each other advice on how not to uh, shit themselves. So, wow. Just you can wow. take it, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Luther, uh, where can people? Fo- when, I don't know where to follow up with that. <laughs> Speaking of, no, uh, Luther, where can people follow you and see what's uh, going on with uh, your creations? We've got a. We we don't do Twitter. Um, I have a Twitter account. I don't think I've used it ever, <laughs> but I do have Instagram. It's uh, it's lb three d underscore design. And our, our Facebook page is LB space 3D space design. Um, and and we, we post anytime we're doing new launches. We usually, especially with our figure line, we try to we try to give, you know, two to three days notice before we go live on the site. And, uh, and normally what we're trying to do is if we release on, say, a, a Friday, normally we would ship one month after that is when the figures would start to go out. Um, so they're all they're all kind of pre-order releases about a month ahead of schedule, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, we do, we, we, we make announcements all the time on stuff like that. Um, we recently did a, a, an 18 inch, uh, Barlow, um, in a fully clothed big, it's a big, big guy with a custom, really custom, nice custom box. And, um, it sold out so fast. It kind of, kind of blew my mind. We only did 10, on the release wow. and they sold out in like four hours. Uh, I, I was really surprised because they were, um, they were expensive pieces. I mean, um, but, but again, we have, we have such a good fan base, man. They, they love what we do. And, and uh, I'm very appreciative of everyone that supports us. Um, it's, it's been, it's kind of been a whirlwind for the last few years uh, in a good way. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I appreciate you guys having me on. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to to, to step off. Here. Yeah, well, we're going to uh, take um, off anyway. But appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of yeah. fun talking with you, and I loved looking at all the figures. I and appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah. a lot. Very nice meeting you guys. All right, have a great night. You as well. You too. And uh, James, we're going to be watching Blood Mania Sunday for the Bloody Stumps Film Festival Bloody Sunday block. There's a lot of crazy movies that night. It'll be fun. Starts at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4.45. The trails will start, and then it goes uh, to probably 11.30 or so. Have so, you been getting a lot of trailers in? Or? 
Yeah, so I tried to spread them out throughout all the different days. So that'll be fun. Good. Yeah, I've been I've been promoting the hell out of you on uh, the Slasher app. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you okay. should get you should you should download it for your phone, man. Yeah, I social will. network for horror fans. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, you know, hey, like you said earlier, you have to you have to really be a self promoter to uh, to do any things like this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, and Slasher is it's fun. You know, I mean, it's entirely different than say Facebook or anything else. It's, it's, I I really enjoy it. Um, I, I I have had talks with him about being the official podcast of slasher, but to be honest, I don't have the time, (laughs) you know, it's just not, just not happening, you know? So, you know, maybe you could talk to uh, Damon, the guy who runs it. I'll look into this. Well, I appreciate the advice. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, you know, why not? And as far as it goes, anything merchandise-wise, like what you know, where to get Luther's products, that kind of thing, you can always go to the Blood Mania website at bloodmania, one word, dot ca. Uh, there'll be links there for all kinds of merchandising: the, the Blu-rays, the DVDs, everything. Um, a preview of the comic book, um, which I just got the first cover of today, and it's kind of cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go check that out. Well, I won't go check that, but when it goes up, I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I guess we will uh, see yeah, we'll you. We'll talk the, soon. We'll. I'll see you in the chat room on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday, and yeah. we'll be talking again uh, shortly on another. Yes. Show. Yeah, Good. It'll okay. probably be after the event, but it'll be soon. Just because okay. I don't have much time left <laughs> before the event. But yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds just, good. Everything uh, starts Friday, but yeah. So that would be uh, Jess and I. I think. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to that as always. And uh, I think I'm going to go buy a new webcam. There you go. Is this for one the future, just for the future? It blows. Yeah. <laughs> it blows. Yeah. So. Okay, well, I'd, I'd also like to thank anybody who's watched. Thank you. Yep, thanks for and, watching. And uh, we hope to see you Sunday at, on Bloody Sunday at the uh, Bloody Stumps Film Festival. Yep, it's going to be a good time. And I appreciate sending the movie in and appreciate coming on the show. Hey, not a problem, man. Great to be here. Thank you. Yep, thank you. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. The Tomb of Nick Cage. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. The